Alright, so in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we ask for your presence in our hearts today, tonight. We thank you for this community, and we thank you for our faith. And we thank you for the gift of Our Lady, whom we celebrate today. We ask, O Lord, that you may heal us of any resentment or hurt that we have within our families. We pray that you may give us wisdom and the gift of counsel, the gift of knowledge, a great generosity of spirit, humility, to be able to accept ourselves and accept our families. We pray for them as well. We pray for our parents tonight. We pray for all the young adults in Atlanta. We pray for the world tonight. We ask you to fill us all with the gift of your spirit. And we entrust ourselves to the perfect mother, your mother, our mother, as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, I am super excited to give this talk. If excited is the right sentiment, I'm not sure, but I think so. And I'm excited in the sense that it is a topic. I've been up here before to talk about uh, the sacraments and to talk about the church and to talk about all these things that I really love that do connect emotionally with me to some extent, obviously to a large extent, right? I mean, I am a priest after all, right? Even if sometimes I forget, like, who was the guy that wrote that book? Someone from the audience yells out, I'm like, oh, I promise I'm a priest. Uh, but when we talk about family and we talk about relationship with our parents, you know, that touches a lot deeper chords, right? than talking about the church or the sacraments or theological things. And so this is a talk that, on the one hand, is, uh, well, I mean, it, personally, I've had to, like, live and struggle through everything, but it's not a testimonial. Like, my sister was like, are you going to spill the beans on our family? <laughs> so where are you? No, I'm not. And my brother's there as well, you know, so don't worry. All the pictures have been edited. Uh, exactly. There were a couple that I put on there, and I was like, I shouldn't share this picture. Uh, so they're going to, just so everybody knows. It'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, but obviously it touches me personally, but I know it touches us personally, right? Because we all live in a family, and that's actually part of the talk, so I guess I'll jump into that. But goal for the talk, right? Like, what would I love to see accomplished here in this community as we gather and listen to uh, ideas and reflections on navigating our relationship with our parents? What I would love is that we leave with a greater desire to build up our families, a greater desire to love our parents, uh, greater wisdom into how to actually accomplish that, having understood better maybe what our own reality is, what our own triggers might be, uh, growing in love for them, in compassion for them, gratitude, and mercy. Yeah? So that's, that's kind of where I want to go with all this. Okay? So far, so good? Excellent. Does anyone have a different expectation? anyone come here like, actually, I thought this was on something else? <laughs> no? Or is there something in regards to parents that you're like, nah, he, I don't think he mentioned that. I don't think he means to talk about that. But like, I absolutely want that to be answered. 
lost in my line while you think about that. <laughs> okay, great. Well, then we're going to start. Fostering relationships with our parents when we are young adults. Right? That's the title. Why is there a sandcastle? Um, I don't know. I figured I'd choose an image that kind of brought us back to our youth. You know, so we can start already, kind of getting those juices flowing. Right? What was it like when we were little kids? And life was great. And maybe your parents took you to the beach, or maybe they didn't. Uh, but anyway, that kind of harkens us back to our youth. So the issue, right? For those that don't know, those are that's my mom and dad. Uh, that picture was taken, I think, ten days ago. It's our mom and dad, but it's my mom. And dad. <laughs> they were my mom and dad way before they were your mom and dad. <laughs> I just want that to be very clear. Uh, 19 years, little sister. They were my mom and dad. All right, so uh, the issue, right? What is the issue? All right, so I'm going to talk about four things, right? This is all very organized. The issue, as we become young adults, the original title of that was Why is it difficult as we become young adults? But it'll just be the issue, as we become young adults, then God's solution and then how do we live it? Yeah, those are the four kind of steps we're going to take. All right. So first of all, the issue. What's the issue? The issue is that we are connected to our parents in a way that we are not obviously connected to anybody else. We're connected biologically. Right? If you use your imagination and you scramble those two faces somehow, you'll get me, you'll get my brother, you'll get my sister. There's two other brothers that are around there somewhere. You know, we're... Ba- like, we are made from those genes, right? So biologically, we are connected to our parents, whether we like it or not. Emotionally, we're connected to our parents. And if someone's adopted, well, you don't have that connection with your adopted parents, but you have an emotional connection with the parents. And if not, we all have an emotional connection with them. And then behaviorally, we're connected to our parents. Like, we are more connected to our parents. We're connected to them subconsciously and psychologically. And we're connected to them physically, right? We we lived inside of our mother for nine months. And they never forget it, by the way, right? They look at you and they're like, where are you going to be tonight? Mom, I'm a priest and I'm in my 40s. Yeah? Call me when you get home. Yeah? Uh, so, but biologically, we, we can't escape the connection with our parents. Yeah, we can't, we can't sever that, right? So, so already that tells us there should be something there. That connection needs to be wholesome. Because otherwise, there's something there that's broken. Yeah, we're bio- we see ourselves in them. Yeah, we see ourselves in like Katie Alford, who's not here today. Is she? Are you here? She, so she went with us to the Holy Land last year, and we were on the airplane, and the flight attendant was her mother. <laughs> and it was just so bizarre as she's talking to us to hear Katie. You know, like, we saw they look different, but they sound the same. And then they look the same, they have the same expressions. And I was like, wow, you know? And I said, two Alfreds have now given me liquor, right? Because Katie one time for Christmas, she got me a bottle of chartreuse. And her mom was like, let me get you this little thing from first class. You know, I was like, wow. I'm seeing double, kind of, you know? So biologically, we're connected, obviously. Emotionally, we're connected. We are connected. Yeah? If you know attachment theory, I know some of you are psychologists or counselors or things, right? But the way that our parents treated us, has affected us for the rest of our lives. You can work on it. You have to work on it. You have to heal it. You have to adapt it, whatever, right? But 
if they picked you up every single time you were crying and patted you and told you that you were awesome no matter what, you have a particular attachment model for when you're dating somebody. If they were super close and then they had to go to work and they ran to work to provide for you and to love you, but they weren't there, and then they would come back and smother you with kisses and then they would go to work and then they would come back, you have a different attachment model to relate to the person you're dating today or the person you broke up with two months ago. (laughs) I don't know, I wasn't looking at anyone in particular. (laughs) You guys can all, you know? So all of you with healthy attachment, we're gonna do a little dating game. You guys go to that (laughs) And then if you, if your parents were absent, yeah, because they were working and they loved you but they weren't there, or maybe they weren't. They were absent, they were somewhere else. Then you have a different attachment style that you use as a model subconsciously to relate to people. And we can't escape that. Yeah, we can't escape it. We, we might want to, we might wish we could, but we can't. We can work on it, we have to work on it, we do work on it, and it's gonna be okay, and we're all called to be saints, and to be joyful, and to be happy, and to be fully integrated, and there's such a thing as healing emotionally, and psychologically, and biologically, and everything else. But my point is, you just can't escape it. And that's why it's the issue, yeah? I knew my brother would catch probably like there's a pun with the issue, but anyway, no. We are the issue of our parents. No, anyway, whatever. So, uh, uh, but, and then of course, behaviorally, we're connected to our parents. Yeah, someone that met my brother before they met me, uh, when they saw me preaching in church for the first time, they're like, is that Santi? Like, what the heck, you know? He has the same mannerisms, yeah? He has the same facial gestures, you, whatever, blah, 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 right? so much more for our parents. Yeah. We tell the jokes our parents tell, or maybe we don't, but we think about them. You know? <laughs> we, we relate to people, even if we're like, I will never be like my father, you know? Well, you know what? Your dad said that when he was your age. Yeah. I remember when I was working in the seminary, for the first time I was like in charge of a group of seminarians, younger seminarians. And uh, I remember this vividly. I stepped outside of my office and some seminary came with a problem, and I just said something that just burst spontaneously from my soul, and it was exactly what my dad would have said. Like, exactly. So much so that I started laughing. Because it didn't apply to the actual situation, it was just like my dad talking, and the poor seminary staring at me, thinking that I'm like schizophrenic or something, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like don't worry, you're fine, just get out of here, you know? And it was something that I had told myself, I never want to say that. That's also why maybe it was so ingrained at that moment. So we can't escape our parents. Yeah? And, and that's the reality. Yeah? That's also why this topic is so sensitive and so important. Yeah? Because sometimes when we begin to see, and we'll talk about what happens when we become young adults, we begin to see issues with our parents. We see them with new eyes. We're like, oh, I never want to do that, right? Or I don't need to talk to my parents. Or I can just disconnect. Or I'm going to be better than them. Or I'm going to this or that. But the reality is, that's the wrong way to go about it. We need to enter into the relationship in order to improve ourselves, in order to develop ourselves and become better people. Yeah, We can't do it by simply stepping away from our parents. Yeah, because we are united to them biologically, emotionally, behaviorally. Any questions on this first point before we move on to the second one? So far, so good? 
Great, nobody's asleep yet. Excellent. Here's another picture. As we become young adults, yeah? I'm not sure how that title relates to the picture exactly, but uh, anyway. As we become young adults, what begins to happen? What begins to happen, right? So, first of all, we begin to see our parents more clearly. And maybe when we were little, mom was perfect, dad was perfect. But as we become young adults and we start entering into a relationship, we begin to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. We see their failures. We see their shortcomings. And it's not that they, the thing is, it's not that they weren't there when we were little. It's just that we didn't realize it. Yeah, we go off to college and we learn all this stuff and then we begin to compare our parents with other people's parents. We begin to compare our parents with our friends or our enemies yeah, or the people that maybe you dated. And you're like, wow, that, that person reminds me exactly of my mom, right? But I don't like this person. Like, Wait a second. Did that syllogism just appear in my brain? No, no, no. Wipe it. You know, clean it off. Like, definitely rewind. Go back. Um, you know, I mean, and, and I can tell you as a priest, and it's your stories and other people's stories. You know, but, but some, are, some are comical, some are tragic. You know, some are, you begin to see your, your parents' woundedness. Yeah. Maybe your parents divorced. Maybe they divorced when you were young. And you didn't really think about it until you became a young adult and you're looking around and you're like, my dad did that? What the heck? My mom did that? What was she thinking? You know, and now, like, I'm their age. Yeah, I remember when my dad was my age. Like, clearly remember. I was old enough to, you know, make connections. And now we're the same age. It's like, oh. Yeah, he had several kids, I think, at my age. You know, he, had one, he had one and a half. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Like, that's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. I see pictures of him when he's my... I see pictures of him when he was younger than me, and I'm, like, right next to him. And I'm like, whoa, what was that like? That's just so bizarre. Yeah. Um, so we begin to see our parents, and, and you all know, right? And I don't know if I need to give examples, but, you know, you know. And, and my dad did it. Maybe, like, things that are super painful. You know, I, you deal with your dad's, like, infidelity. Or your mom's infidelity. Yeah, and all those things begin to shake in your own heart, right? Like, can I be faithful? Am I not going to be faithful? What's going on, right? You see maybe their lack of faith. Yeah, and you're struggling with faith, and you have friends around you that are believers, and it's hard because faith has never been easy. Uh, and then all of a sudden you turn around and, like, yeah, my parents, uh, they, don't, they don't practice, they don't go to Mass, but they're good people. Yeah, and so, so that's the first thing that happens when we become young adults. We see our parents with new eyes, because now we're adults. But the important thing is to remember, it's not that it just happened. It's that it was always there, and they were the loving parents that that raised you, that rose you. They raised you, but now you see them differently. So that's the first. The second thing is that we change. You know, so we're no longer kids. And before, I didn't mind when my mom was like, I probably always cared to some extent, right? Call me when you get to your friend's house, right? What's going to happen? <laughs> I'm nervous the whole time, right? Something's going to happen. i got to call my mom when I get there, right? And after a while, like, nothing happened, right? That was a close call, right? And then the next time, nothing happened this time either, right? And nothing happened the third time either. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe it's just weird that I have to check in all the time. 
But maybe I didn't care, but now I care. Right? So I begin to change, and I know how these, I know how things work. Yeah, and I feel great compassion for our parents too, because when my dad had a question, he had to ask my grandfather. Yeah, but when I have a question, I ask Google. Yeah. So my grandfather was like, oh, my son, he asks me all types of questions. Yeah, I know so much more than my son. And my dad's like, I know a lot less than Google. I know a lot less. So what's that been like for our parents' generation? Yeah, they they changed all the all the parameters. Yeah. I mean, there's, there hasn't been a generational shift as strong as in the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have data on that. I don't know what the Crusades were like or something. I don't know. <laughs> the fall of the Roman Empire, maybe. Yeah. But at least, like, in the, in the known, you know, like, working memory of our people today, right? More wine. And uh, so, you know, so word difference. Right? And we need to account for that as well. And our parents don't know how to deal with like adolescent kids or young adult kids. Yeah. They're learning too, but especially we're different, right? And so we need to like factor that in. This is all as we become young adults. And then also they begin to have their limitations. Yeah, so all of a sudden our parents are getting older. And maybe for you guys, you're not there yet. Maybe some of you, you are, right? But they begin to get really sick and they can't fend for themselves anymore, and they don't want to go visit you because, like, they're old and they're tired, and so they can't anymore, and you're like, well, what happened? Uh, and all their, all their insecurities begin to come out as you get older. All insecurities come back, you know, and all of a sudden, I can't fend for myself, and I always wanted to have grandkids, and, like, what's going on, you know? How long have you guys been married already, you know? Where are the grandkids, and, you know? We're not going to be around that much longer, you know, right? So all the limitations begin to come out as we become young adults. Right? That's kind of the situation. All right? Any questions on this point? We're going to get to uh, the next one is God's solution. Yeah. So you understand why, obviously, the situation becomes tense. Yeah. We see them with new eyes, and we begin to change as well. And that combination is obviously going to be a recipe for explosion. So if you find yourself not knowing how to have a healthy relationship with your parents, you know, you're probably one of four on the table. Yeah? I mean, maybe not. I'm sure some of us have developed it, some of us have thought, but it's the most natural, normal thing that the relationship has to change. And we're not sure what that means. And sometimes we think, well, we want to bring it back to build sandcastles. You know, like, can I just go play catch with my dad? He's like, no, I don't play catch anymore. Yeah. Can I just go play chess with my dad? No, he doesn't want to anymore. Yeah, in our family, like, I love playing cards. I love board games. And my dad's like, no, no. I'll just read Newsweek again. I'm like, dad. And my dad's awesome. You guys know. Yeah. So we're looking for ways to connect, and we can't quite connect. How, do we, how are we going to connect with our parents? All right? Great. So I'm going to move on to the next point, which is God's solution. And then I'm going to get into like practical ways of carrying it out. Yeah? So for God's solution, it's going to be a little bit abstract, but it's important to go to the principles. So there are two principles. First principle is something that's called the fourth commandment. And second principle is that God becomes our father. 
Okay? And those two realities give us everything we need to develop and foster our relationship with our parents. Those two realities, if we understand them deeply enough. Okay? There it is. The fourth commandment. It's stated twice in, uh, in the Old Testament. And then it's repeated again, interestingly enough, in Ephesians 6, 2. St. Paul is motivating kids. He goes, remember the fourth commandment. And he goes, by the way, it's the only commandment that has a promise attached to it. And then Jesus, and it, Jesus states it three times. Well, he states it once, but in three different gospels. When the rich young man comes up and says, Lord, what must I do to reach eternal life? He puts it together with, like, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. Do these things and you will live. All right, so here's the fourth commandment. Anyone want to read it? Go for it. Great. That's the Exodus version. What about the Deuteronomy version? Anyone else want to read it? Yeah. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may have a long life and that you may prosper in the land the Lord your God has given you. Excellent. All right. As you notice, there is a promise attached to it, and it's the only commandment that has that promise attached to it, which is interesting. God wanted to make sure it was like really important. It's also the fourth commandment, which means it's between the third commandment and the fifth commandment. And then that's like high math, right? That's for some of you, for some of us, right? But what does that actually mean? The first three commandments have to do with God. And then the last commandments all have to do with our relationship with others. So it's kind of nestled there in the middle between our relationship with God and our relationship with others, all right? So what does it mean that it's a commandment? Yeah. And actually, the word commandment does not appear in the Bible. Yeah. It doesn't appear for these ten things. God doesn't say, now I command you to do these ten things. He says, listen, I'm going to make a covenant with you guys. Okay? And after I make a covenant with you guys, this is how you need to live. Which is a little bit different from, thou shalt do this from now on. Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, these ten things that God says, he says, this is the sign that you guys now belong to me. This is what's going to distinguish you from all the Gentiles and all the Greeks and all the pagans that don't know me and for whom I've never brought to a special land, for whom I've never showed my strength and never brought them out of freedom. Those people out there, they do things differently. You guys that have been rescued by me, this is how you are to live. So, what does this mean? We all work in different environments, and we work with people that aren't Christians, or aren't practicing, or aren't Catholics, or whatever, right? This is one of those things that needs to set us apart. That's what it means. It's not a commandment. It's actually a word spoken by God. These are referred to as the ten words. The second thing is notice something interesting about this commandment. It's in the it's only in one direction. Yeah, the fifth commandment isn't like and make sure you're really supportive of your kids. Yeah, there isn't a commandment like that. There's only a commandment in this direction. 
Of course, in many places in the Bible, God tells parents to take care of their kids, right? He's like, don't sacrifice your kids, you know? <laughs> Little things like that, right? Like, oh yeah, don't do that, yeah? On a scale of one to ten, you know? Don't sacrifice them tomorrow. Okay, great. Also, don't eat that. So, <laughs> but there's one commandment, and it's going in this direction. Honor your father and your mother. I think at that point, there's really like no other ground we can step past. You know, like this is the commandments are that limit that we can't walk out. This is the fence that determines, do you want to belong to God or not? And all of us can choose. We all get to choose the commandments. It's like, yeah, I really want to belong to God, but I also want to go around killing people. None of us say that, right? It's an easy one. Well, you can't. You have to choose. You also, you have to choose. Do I want to belong to God? Or do I want to ignore this commandment? That's what this means. So this is the first principle. The first principle is God has told all of us, you have to honor them. What does honor mean? Honor means you have to respect them. You have to speak well about them. You can't go around criticizing them. You can't say, well, let me tell you what my dad did the other day. Oh my goodness, this is horrible. Or my mom, she's getting so much on my nerves. That's not honoring them. When you're with them, you have to honor them. And we live in a society that doesn't like honoring things. Why? Because like we are all equal before the law, right? More traditional societies, they have a sense of honoring, right? Like the dad sits at the head of the table. Yeah, the dad gets to do whatever. The mom gets to do this. Yeah. In Jewish tradition, the mom is the one that's saying some of the prayers and preparing the meal and doing the thing, right? That's what honoring means. Give them their place. Let them win. Yeah. No one likes to lose an argument, much less to dad or to mom. Honor your father and your mother. Yeah. Tell them that they're right. Let them just tell you what how they would like you to behave when you're at their house. Okay, that's honoring your father and your mother. Yeah. Do you guys want to do a little quick round of like examples of honoring father and mother? Yeah? Raise your hand. We'll just go like this. We'll start like this. Just one example of what it means to honor your father and your mother. Teresa, you have one? Just on the top of your head. Yeah. Steve, uh, praise her cooking. Praise her cooking. Excellent. Next table. Um, actually calling your mom when you get to places like Thank you. <laughs> I do need to go to confession, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, great. One way to honor your father or your mother? Calling home regularly. Calling home regularly. Excellent. Back table and then Sati. <laughs> Letting them tell their stories in the back of the day. Ooh, that's a great one. Especially when you've already heard them. <laughs> Excellent. Sunday. Um, making sure they feel cared for. So making sure they feel cared for. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Disable. Thank them for hosting you. 
thank them for hosting you for the big events. This table? Don't lie to them. Don't lie to them. That's a great, yes. That's a great one. Actually, raise your hands if you've never lied to your parents. I mean, we, this isn't that type of a retreat, you know? But uh, now stand up if you've never known. So, yeah. Let me tell you something. I work at a high school. And uh, normally when I tell people I work at a high school, they're like, you know, we have massive lines of confessions and all that stuff, right? Everyone always assumes that, like, the most hurtful thing to an adolescent soul is, like, drug, sex, and rock and roll, you know? But honestly, it's the fourth commandment. When an adolescent starts lying to their parents, the road to God knows what is completely open. Completely open. Yeah. Because there isn't that, like, chain or rope to pull it back. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for saying that. Next one. Uh, respecting their preferences of music. Yes, that's a good one. It's super simple. Very nice. In the back? Showing them gratitude for guys and they provide for you. Gratitude will be in the, the last point is all about gratitude is one of the big ones for sure. Yeah. Yes. It's another way of honoring them, honoring their presence. Very good. Last table. Uh, respecting their time and opinions even if they don't respect yours. Oof. That is so good. So good. That's a painful one. Did you guys hear that? Respecting their time and opinions. Their thoughts and opinions, even when they don't respect yours. Very good. And then, Mary, you have your own table. Do you have anything that you want to add? <laughs> Similarly, respecting their political preferences. Oof, respecting their political preferences. Very good. Benny, who doesn't have a table? An actually thoughtful gift on Father's Day or Mother's Day. Yep, an actual thoughtful gift. Excellent. All right, so many practical ways of living out what is a commandment of God. Yeah. I think what's important about this point is, like, God has spoken about this topic. There's a lot of other topics that we just kind of know because we derive the moral law, right? Like, Venmo someone and you told them you would, you know? <laughs> but on this, like, God literally came down and spoke. Yeah? But this is what you have to do. Great. Next point of God's solution one, God's solution two. This is a tribute to a priest I live with, Father John Klein, who's a major chosen fan. And so am I, actually. But... God's divine adoption, right? So the first one is a solution in the sense that it curbs our fallen nature and brings us back to where we need to come. This one is the deeper solution to our relationship with our parents. Yeah. You guys catch it? Anyone want to read that? Yeah. Lauren. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God, yet so we are. Beautiful. Anyone want to read the second part? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption, through which we cry, Abba, Father. Beautiful. Yeah. So the solution to our relationship with our parents, the ultimate solution, is to realize that uh, our parents are actually kind of signs 
<coughs> of a greater fatherhood, which is God's fatherhood for us. Yeah. And so, why is that so important? It's so important because it actually frees us from the absolute dependency on our parents. Yeah. It's the final, like, unsticking of the umbilical cord, and it allows us to connect directly with God. So remember how before I was making all these points of, like, we're biologically and emotionally and behaviorally dependent on our parents? Well, ever since the coming of Jesus Christ and baptism, we are now more dependent biologically and emotionally and behaviorally and spiritually to the Father. Yeah. And God is so good that even though God loves us with a fatherly and a motherly love, he also gave us Mary as a perfect mother in heaven that would be able to take care of us and love us as a mother. Yeah. So as an adult, what's one thing that we need to do to be able to heal our relationship with our parents? We need to delve deeper into these relationships. The relationship with God the Father and the relationship with Mary. If you don't have a deep relationship with Mary, it's very hard to heal your relationship with your mom. Yeah, I mean, I have an almost perfect mom. Yeah, where's my sister? Where's my little brother? Nah. Whatever, right? We all have amazing moms. But the relationship with Mary has actually helped me to then turn around and heal the relationship with my mom. Yeah, the relationship with God the Father has, has helped me and healed me to improve my relationship with my dad. And they're great, but they're limited. Okay, how else does this relationship, this relationship actually heals us on an emotional level. It heals us on a spiritual, but also on an emotional level. Rarely do we have an emotional response to the idea of God as a father, right? Less rarely, I think, but it depends, do we have an emotional response to Mary as our mother. We were just on a oil trip, actually, and one of you... I can't remember who it was, I'm sorry, you don't need to raise your hand or anything, but somebody said, like, for the first time, I recognize and realize, like, Mary's my mom. Yeah. Uh, me, personally, Red Farrell's ordained a priest, I had this, like, powerful experience of God as my father. Kind of like a little mystical gift, you know, like, all right, you've been trying hard for 13 years, here you go. No. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, why do we rarely have those transformative experiences of God's fatherhood or Mary's motherhood? I think it's because we rarely ask for them. We don't desire them enough. We're just hoping it'll kind of happen on the fly. If I go to enough 20s and 30s things, maybe I'll start relating to this somehow, you know? So I think, like, a resolution we should make is to start praying for if you're struggling in your relationship with your parents, this needs to be our prayer. Lord, give me a deeper relationship with you as my father. And give me a deeper relationship with Mary as my mother. Great. Any questions on this? We can go back and you can ask questions on any of these points. But I do want to move on to the next one, which is like practical. This was kind of more theological and abstract. Now we're going to get practical. How to live it. All right, that's the last picture of my family. Everybody's small, so no one can complain. Uh, and everyone's zoomed out and this is a big family gathering that we had like a couple years ago uh, it was awesome my mom by the way is one of nine she's the oldest of nine 
Um, oh, my cousins are here too. So Monica is the seventh. No, sixth. Six of nine. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's a bunch of cousins and uncles and aunts. And we're one big mess of a family, and it's awesome. Uh, so three things, three specific ways of improving our relationship with our parents. Okay? The first one is gratitude. Okay, St. Thomas says something really interesting about gratitude. He says, uh, well, he's talking about justice, right? So he says justice is when someone gives you something, and so you owe them, and you pay them back, right? If you give me $100, I owe you $100. If you give me hospitality at your home, I owe you hospitality at my home, right? That's justice. So he says, okay, in human affairs, there are two situations in which we can never carry out justice. Yeah, in, in human life. The first one is with God. And so we don't call it justice, we call it religion. The second one, because God created the world, right? So and no matter how much I give God, I can't like give him back the universe. You know? Thank you for the dolphins. You know? <laughs> like there's just too much stuff, right? The whole day saying thank you wouldn't be enough, right? In regards to God. The second relationship that we can never carry out justice is with our parents. Because it's thanks to them that we exist. So we can never give that back. So he says it's not called justice, it's called piety. Yeah? So I think it's important for all of us to reflect on gratitude. Because it's so easy to think, especially if you don't have a great relationship with your parents, to see first of all how they have hurt you. Yeah? And to not see what they have done for you. Right? So you exist. You were carried in a womb for nine months. You were breastfed. That hurt. You were picked up tons and tons and tons of times. You woke them up. They paid for your education. Or maybe they didn't. You know, at this point, maybe, no, they didn't pay for my education. Okay. They taught you how to talk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they taught you how to talk, right? I learned from the neighbors. Okay, fine, right? <laughs> Either way, like, there's so many things that your parents have done for you. Also, gratitude, like, being hurt by someone doesn't negate what you owe them. Yeah? Like, if I build a house for you and then I criticize you, I still build a house for you. No, no, you criticize me. Yeah. It hurts, sure, it hurts. But do you see what I'm saying? There's a, we need to like just step away for a moment and think in terms of justice and think in terms of gratitude. What is it that you owe your parents? What is it that I owe my parents? The amount of time that they spent on me, that they invested on me. Yeah? The looks of love, the secret prayers in their hearts that they did for me. So we need to fix our relationship with our parents, starting with gratitude. You know what hurts parents' hearts more than anything else? Actually, is this lack of gratitude. More than anything else. Yeah, because they felt like they poured out so much, right? And maybe they poured out in a way that we didn't want them to. We're like, well, that's your problem. No. They still poured out so much. Yeah, 
maybe they forced you to dress a certain way because that was the right way to dress and you know so that you would be pure or something you know and you're like that really messed me up when I was little you know they still did it out of love they did it the best they knew you know they didn't get the manual and they did the best they could and they did out of love and you owe them for that love I owe them for that love yeah they didn't allow me to do this. They told me I couldn't date till I was 18, and you know that really messed me up. Yeah. It's funny. I always hear like I got messed up by my parents, and I'm like, you look fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, gratitude I think needs to be put into perspective. Yeah. I. This is. Uh, you know, I met somebody. Who's. Whose parents like really hurt them. You know? I met someone whose father like took advantage of them sexually. It's like, oof. You know? well, my mom, she just wanted me to call her every time I went to my friend's house. Yeah. We can't. We need to put things into perspective. Yeah. Or worse things, actually. Yeah. I know worse situations. Um, so how much have your parents done for you? Well, they don't like the person that I'm dating. <laughs> Listen, on the scale of one to terrible, that's like a three, you know? <laughs> Not sure what the scale is, right? But anyway, right? It's a 3,000. Monopoly money. No. Uh, what have my parents done for me? If we could just sit down and write a list. How long would that list be? Where would we start? Where would we end? What would be the last thing? After I've done a list of all the things my parents did for me, what would be the last thing? I said, okay, there, I listed them all, I counted them all, I numbered them all, that's it. Yeah. So that's the first thing is gratitude. Yeah, gratitude. I can tell you that uh, we, you know, I knew this, I knew this uh, young woman who had a baby, and uh, no way, yeah, yeah, it's amazing, she had a baby. And uh, when she's holding the baby for the first time, she started crying. Because she said, now I know how much my mom loved me, and I never said thank you. Can you believe it? There was like this surge inside her heart, and she like immediately recognized herself on the opposite end of that surge in regards to her mom. It's spectacular. Right? All right, so first, gratitude. Secondly, mercy. Oof, mercy, yeah. Oh, gratitude, by the way. I had, like, examples of saints here. So gratitude is uh, St. Augustine. Yeah? St. Augustine says of his mother, she gave birth to me twice. Yeah? The first time, biologically, and the second time, spiritually, right? Because Monica went around chasing St. Augustine. You guys know the story of Monica and St. Augustine? Yeah? She was super... She just wanted... She, like, catechized Augustine when he was little. And he's going to be a great saint one day, you know? And then when he was nine, he's like, nah, I don't really want to be baptized. And he went hanging around with his friends, and then he became like this great uh, orator, and he became like a pagan philosopher, and he's convincing people against the Christian faith, and poor Monica's like praying, 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 and Monica's husband was a mess, and he was cheating on her, and she's like praying, praying, praying. Her husband ends up having this massive conversion. He's like weeping, and you know, like, please, Monica, forgive me, I love you so much, you know, so he dies like with baptism and goes straight to heaven. And then St. Augustine leaves North Africa, and uh, goes to Italy, and Monica like follows. She, he actually lies to her. 
He's like, hey, I'm going to stay in North Africa, I promise. Yeah? She's like, oh, good, thank you so much. And then as soon as she turns around, he gets out of a boat and leaves. Yeah? And Monica, her husband had died already, so what did she do? Followed him. So she had some purification on her journey as well, you know? So she followed him to Rome, and she's like, oh, no, my mom's in Rome. So then he went up to Milan. So then she went up to Milan. And finally, she went to the bishop of Milan, this guy called Ambrose. And she goes, Ambrose, you know, and this is so classic, right? People always, Father, talk to my daughter. Talk to my son. You know, like, I'm sure once you talk to them, they'll change. And they're like, yeah, sure. Uh, so she goes up to Ambrose, and she's like, Ambrose, talk to my son. You know, my son is just so far away from the faith. And Ambrose said to her, Monica, talk less to your son about God and talk more to God about your son. The tears of a woman like you will not go unanswered. And then she just went back to the church and started praying. And two years later, Augustine's getting baptized by St. Ambrose. Yeah. So, gratitude. So that's why St. Augustine says, she gave birth to me twice. All right, mercy. Mercy towards our parents. Wow, this is really, really hard. Yeah. Because with our parents, that's the one relationship that we are not trained to give, but only to receive. So when we're little, we receive everything from them, right? And whenever we give something to them, it's like they blow it way out of proportion. Yeah? We do a little painting for them, right? We give it to them, it's like three triangles and a square. And they're like, this is amazing. Yeah? Look how much my son loves me. Look how much my daughter loves me. Right? We graduate from high school and we're like, yeah, I'd like to thank my mom. And she's like crying. He mentioned me in his Thanksgiving speech, right? Like, oh my goodness, right? And we literally, it was like an afterthought, you know? We mended for that moment and then we went to go party, right? So, we don't think in terms of giving back to our parents. We just receive, 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 receive. So when we're adults and we start to have to give mercy, it doesn't come natural. Yeah? And we think, well, they should have mercy on me. But when we become adults and God is our Father, then that also puts us on something like an equal plane. Yeah? We need to begin to show mercy to our parents. One of the most radical examples of this is a saint. Her name is Saint Laura Vicuña from Chile. She was like 13 years old, so she's one of those like totally chosen souls, you know? But uh, her parents divorced when she was super little or she never knew her dad. And then her mother was like living with this guy that was taking advantage of her. And she offered her life for her mom. She's like, I am going to pray every single day to Jesus so that my mother steps away from this guy who's no good. She prays and she prays and she prays and she prays. And the Lord looks at her and says, like, man, you are ready for heaven. So she goes to heaven. And her mom looks at her and is like, at her deathbed, she says, I promise I will leave this guy. And her mom leaves and ends up having, like, a really holy life. Um, Mercy towards our parents is the step that makes us go from being kids to being adults. mercy towards our parents. I've seen some amazing examples of this. Yeah, I've seen people reconcile with their parents, with their dads, and say, like, I understand why my dad works this way. I'm going to show him mercy. I know people reconcile with their mothers and say, I know my mother left me, 
but I come to love you. Yeah. I knew a guy in D.C. whose dad left the family when he was like eight and just went off to Florida and moved in with someone else and they never heard from this dad again. And their mother was like, yeah, your dad, he's no good. He left, he left, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right? This guy was like, in his, he's 29, he's married, he had his first kid. and He said, you know what, I, I really wish I could like reconnect with my dad. So he found his dad somehow in Florida. He looked it up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He called him and his brother said, if you call your dad, if you call dad, we're not going to talk to you again. He's like, I really want to talk to him. He's like, no, he's no good, whatever. Anyway, he does it because he feels a need to. He's having his own conversion. He calls his dad. Dad picks up, and dad says, for the last 10 years, I got involved in the Knights of Columbus. I've been going to church, and I've been praying rosary every single day for each of my kids. Ends up having this massive reconciliation. They build a house together in D.C., blah, blah, whatever. So mercy towards our parents. Yeah. We don't think that our parents need mercy. Maybe I've kind of realized it a little bit more as a priest, you know? My dad's like, yeah, I'm, I've become my own grandfather. That's what my dad says, you know? And I'm my own grandson, I guess, by being a dad to my dad. Yeah. I'm the son of my dad's dad or something. Anyway, whatever, right? It's like that weird movie with Ethan Hawke. Anyway. So... Uh, <laughs> Mercy towards our parents. Yeah. What could that look like? What does that look like? You know, what does it mean to tell our parents or to internally say, I forgive them? Have you guys seen the movie The Shack? There's a great scene there where the guy, he forgives someone who like hurts his daughter, but he still feels angry about it. And like an angel or a member of the Trinity or something tells him, you know, you probably are going to have to forgive them a thousand times a day. Yeah, that's what mercy is. Mercy is not that the feelings are all of a sudden going to go away. It's that I'm going to continue to go back and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Yeah. So that's mercy in regards to our parents. And then time and vulnerability. Right? So the first way as young adults is gratitude. To go to them and say thank you. Yeah, to make that gratitude explicit. To show mercy which means to not continue hating on them in our heart for the things that they've done against us, but to let go of that, to actually move beyond that and to say, you know what, I have nothing against you. How powerful it is when you say, I have nothing against you. Yeah. I don't have anything against anyone. Yeah, That's amazing. There's a freedom of spirit there. You guys want to hear, uh, this isn't with regards to parents, but it's with regards to mercy. And it's uh, a guy who goes to... Chanel, I think. I don't know where. I heard a talk he gave one time in a small group. Uh, someone murdered his brother. Yeah, Two people broke into his house and murdered his brother. And then they were caught. Yeah, And of course, he was hurt and enraged and overwhelmed with sorrow and grief and everything else, right? And they caught these guys. They caught both of them. And with the way the judicial process works, it was like two years before they finally went to trial, or like a year before he finally went to trial. So he shows up in the trial for this guy, and he's just like burning in anger, right? He's like, I can't wait till they condemn this guy. Right? The guy got several life sentences. Yeah, he was a huge guy. He'd been induced into gang life when he was eight years old by his dad. He was enormous, and like other people in the gangs were afraid of him. Yeah, this guy was like, bad. 
you know? I mean, tough in that sense, you know? He'd been already in prison and in juvenile since he was like 13. He'd committed all types of other crimes, and this was just like the latest in a string of things he'd done. And so this guy, Eric, he goes to the trial, and he's listening, and the guy gets several life sentences, and he feels no satisfaction. Yeah. And then the guy gets up, and uh, he's kind of ushered away by the, the bailiff, all these terms. And then he says, oh, by the way, and then he's about to leave, and he says, oh, this guy wants to talk to you. Yeah. He's like, why does he want to talk to you? No, he really wants And he was about to walk out, but he says, all right, don't talk to him. So he goes back in the courthouse, and there's like rows and rows and rows of security doors. Yeah, and he finally gets to this little room, just like he said, just like you see in the movies, little inter- like basically an interrogation room with a cop on the side, and this guy's sitting at a metal desk, and his hands are handcuffed like this, and he walks in, and uh, the guy stands up, and he's like towering a foot above him, and he said, "This guy could like snap my neck if he wanted to right now," but he's he stretches out a hand like this, and he's pale, totally pale. So he's sitting like this, and Eric shakes his hand, and he says, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry, and that this was never supposed to happen. Because it was a robbery, and they tied the guy up, and then they shot him, and they left. This was never part of the plan. This was never supposed to I just want to say I'm really sorry to you, and to your brother's wife, and to the kids, and everything else. And he said that allowed him, he was like shaking, right? He didn't know what to say, and he said, he hadn't really thought about it, but it just kind of came naturally, he said, I forgive you. And he was shocked, and he turned around, and he said, as he's walking out of the courthouse, he just begins to feel the weight taken off, taken off, taken off, taken off. He says, Father, I don't say this lightly, but that was the happiest day of my life. He said, he was almost like clicking his heels as he walked out of the courthouse. And then he began to pray every single day for this guy by name. So he would pray to our Father. He'd say, forgive us our trespasses as I forgive the name of the guy. And there was a second criminal who he hadn't, was still like in the process in a different prison, being moved or whatever. So for a whole year, he would pray the rosary every single day. And he'd say, uh, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. And he would name these two guys. Now and at the hour of our death. So, mercy. Yeah, mercy. Time and vulnerability. All right, what's the last thing that we can do as young adults to improve our relationship with our parents? Time and vulnerability. All right, what do I mean by that? I'll tell you advice that I got from my uncle, Francisco, when I was in high school. I did not have a good relationship with my parents. And he said, you know, I did this with my dad, my grandmother, when I was, whatever, a young adult. He said, uh, I just started preparing a cup of coffee and sitting it in front of him and then sitting down to have a chat. It's like a Colombian reference for like talking, yeah, having a cup of coffee. So super practical, super easy. I began to apply something like that my last year of high school. I'd sit down with my dad, prepare a cup of coffee, put it in front, and just start chatting. And our relationship began to change. I went from being like a bratty high schooler to actually listening to my dad and trying to have a relationship. What are the ways that we can do that? Many of you do that already. But it's difficult because they live somewhere else. Phone calls, time. There's no substitute for time. Yeah. 
There's no substitute for time. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, vulnerability. Uh, I'll tell you something that happened to my mom, that with my mom, that also like really shaped my life. We were on this pilgrimage, on this place called Medjugorje. We climb up a mountain, and it's just my mom, my dad, and I, right? The three of us are walking together. And uh, we get to the top of this mountain, and she sits down next to this big crucifix in Croatia. Yeah? And so we're sitting down, and she's like, why don't we just take a moment to pray here? You know? I'm like, oh, no. The last thing I need is to pray right now. Well, like, I don't want to pray with my parents, you know? It's like, what am I going to pray for? You know? just, I'll do the, the safe things, you know? And so my mom, you know, she takes my hand, and she takes my dad's hand, and then my dad and I kind of like, we're looking at each other, like, I guess, you know, we close the circuit, you know? <laughs> we're holding hands, and uh, my mom's giving a little squeeze, so uh, yeah, I'm giving a little squeeze back. And she goes, you know, I'm just so glad that we're here together, because I really, I just want to, like, apologize. Like, uh, <laughs> and the thing is, like, if anyone needs to apologize, like, first it's me, then it's my dad, and then it's my mom. You know, like, in that order. And she's kind of closing the circuit, and she goes, I just really want to apologize for, you know, not being the mom that I should have been, and blah, blah. All right. That reality right there, like, opened floodgates in my heart that I did not even know were closed. It was this, like, oh my goodness. I didn't know I needed this healing. And it just, like, rushed in. Yeah. So I think we have a responsibility to be channels of healing for our parents as well. Yeah. Like, raise your hands if you haven't hurt your parents. Maybe some of you, I'm sure. You know? And most of us, it's like, yeah, that whole adolescent thing, oof, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh... Anyway, so that's the last thing, is time and vulnerability. Time by itself is really not enough. It's a prerequisite. But time plus vulnerability, that's where the magic really happens with our parents. Yeah. Which is that openness of heart. So anyway, here we are at the end. Questions? Um, you know, we have 15 minutes before. <laughs> Great. So let's, uh, I'll, let me leave a little prayer here. You all remain seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, we entrust the fruits of this talk to you. And we place before you all the chords that have been touched in our hearts. We place before you all our relationships with our parents, our step-parents, our adopted parents, and grandparents. Lord, we place before you with great trust and humility all these relationships for your healing. We trust your spirit, O Lord, the spirit of love that can do all things and moves all things and changes all things. That's always pulling us towards love and towards good. Lord, help us to show you those areas of our life, of our mind, of our emotions that are wounded that still hurt. Those areas of lack of forgiveness, of trauma, that we need you to come heal. We ask you, O Lord, to purify us and strengthen us and to make us healers of others 
even as you heal us. Lord, teach us to not be ashamed of our hurt, but to present it to you so that we can be made new in you. Lord, bless all your young adults in this room. Bless all your young adults in this parish and all the parishes in Atlanta and the whole city of Atlanta. May they all be healed and touched and renewed. And help us, O Lord, to bring fathers to their sons, sons to their fathers, mothers to their daughters, daughters to their mothers, so that we may become one in you. And we entrust everything to the intercession of the mother that was perfect, that was with you at the foot of the cross, that trusted you and became your disciple and became your apostle to the nations. And Almighty God bless all of you here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.